0: Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the areas of holistic wellness and sustainable living practices. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts, To embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. For this episode, I sat down with Dr. Martha Lucas in September 2018. Dr. Lucas is uniquely qualified to practice Chinese medicine because in addition to her degree in Chinese medicine, she also holds a PhD in research psychology. We explore many areas of Chinese medicine including education, her deep expertise in pulse diagnosis, the ancient martial arts known as Qigong, natural anti aging treatments as an alternative to Botox, and in particular, Dr. Lucas's very own cosmetic acupuncture protocol and brand, and her research into relinquishment wounds, which are psychological wounds to any child who is taken from its mother at birth. We also spend some time talking about Dr. Lucas's love for family and the value of self care. Dr. Lucas has more than 20 years teaching experience and regularly teaches workshops at Pacific Rim College. Two of her courses are available right now through Pacific Rim College online. Qigong for pain and anti-aging and the acupuncture course unique point functions and combinations. Dr. Lucas also offers mentorships and pulse diagnosis and biofeedback systems and teaches the MeiZen cosmetic acupuncture system. Her private practice is based in Denver and Littleton, Colorado where she specializes in diagnosis and treatment of internal medicine and serious chronic illnesses. Dr. Lucas has been interviewed by many publications, including the New York Times and USA Today, and is the author of several books on pulse diagnosis and cosmetic acupuncture. Her latest research project is about the reduction of libido in women, including in younger women. For this discussion, I stepped into the beginner's mind and put aside my training in traditional Chinese medicine so that you can learn directly from Dr. Lucas. If you're interested in the practice of acupuncture in Chinese medicine and how to naturally tap into the Fountain of Youth, this episode will keep you on point. Martha, welcome to the show. Thanks.: That's great to have you here in our studio in Victoria.
1: Oh uh, well, it's great to be in Victoria.
0: So you are a licensed acupuncturist in Denver, Colorado, correct? Yes. How did you get into acupuncture?
1: Well, I was a research psychologist. That's my first training. And I was working with heart patients, men who had had cardiovascular bypass surgery. And I admired their surgeons as very good mechanics. But I started to wonder what else is happening? What's keeping the machine running? What's, what is it that we can't quite see? And For research scientists to be interested in what you can't see, because we want to see it, feel it, weigh it, measure it, Uh, I just couldn't get away from the idea that I needed a little more information about life. So I studied Reiki, and then axiotonal alignment, and then uh, color puncture, and that's acupuncture with light. But the teachers, when I would ask, well, why are you putting green on this thing you call LI-11, but red on the GB-34, whatever those were, because I didn't know, they would say, because Dr. Mandel says so. So I went to Chinese medicine school to figure out why you would put a different color on a different acupuncture point.
0: When you were studying as a research psychologist, were you learning these other disciplines also? Oh, no. This was no, after?
1: It, yes, this was after. This was, the research is straight research. You don't be...
0: Where did you do your training for that?
1: At the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Okay. Where did you grow up?
1: In Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania, then lived in Louisville, mm-hmm. and then Oregon, and now Denver.
0: Okay. How long have you been in Denver? About 25 years. And you've been in practice there that whole time?
1: No, I went to school there. Okay. So right after I moved there, I went to school, uh, the Colorado School of Traditional Chinese Medicine, and then started my practice. So, And I did a couple of internships, so I've been in Chinese medicine for about 20 years.
0: Okay. In- internships in China also?
1: No, 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 just in the U.S. Just
0: in the U.S.? Okay. Yeah. Tell us a bit about the program that you study, just so our listeners have a better understanding of what it takes to become a licensed acupuncturist.
1: Well, the school is called the Colorado School of Traditional Chinese Medicine because it was a TCM school. So we learned all about herbs and acupuncture. Uh, I met my pulse diagnosis mentor there, thank goodness, because of course, the diagnostics are the most important part of the treatment. And um, it's a four-year program, four-year full-time program. So it's pretty intense. To get, Sounds like it. End up with your license,
0: and to be able to then go out and help people,
1: right? Uh, and you have to pass national boards. Okay. I was, I was certain that I failed the point location part. The year I took it, it was you had to put little dots on a piece of paper where the point was, and I left and said to myself, "Do you think they meant?" Their left or my left. <laughs> and so I went home, re- wrote the NCCAOM a letter from a research scientist, and said, "I just want you to know that I don't think your exam has been properly designed." <laughs> <I'm>
0: sure, <laughs> and they I will love be that. Ha- I
1: know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a research scientist who also is a practitioner of Chinese medicine. I can help you write a good exam." And they wrote back, "Thank you very much for your feedback. We have acupuncturists who give us the questions. So that was that. I did pass, by the way.
0: (laughs) Excellent. How many acupuncture points do you need to know as an acupuncturist? How many are there?
1: I always say 600. 600. I mean, I think think there are 400 some body points. Then Mm -hmm. you have ear points. Then you have scalp points. So, and extra points. So I always say it must be around 600.
0: Have you found that the acceptance... Of acupuncture in the general public has changed over the course of your career?
1: Yes. It's definitely used more often. In fact, two days a week, I work in Littleton, Colorado, at an internal medicine clinic where they asked me to come there. They said they're tired of giving people pills. Would I work in their clinic? So even though they don't really understand what I'm doing, they their patients just rave about the good results so that's all they care about like migraines they're they don't want to give them pills anymore they send them over for acupuncture
0: how long have you been doing that
1: i've been there about three years
0: and is that something that 20 years ago an opportunity like that would have come up oh no think? no
1: no and actually i knew the medical doc the principal partner i didn't go in like it wasn't a cold call mm-hmm. she said to me would you come here and work And I don't know if that would happen if you already didn't know the person.
0: Right. Still. You mentioned pulse diagnosis. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Well, as I said, I was lucky to have a mentor, Jim Ramholtz. And uh, Jim made me fall in love with pulse diagnosis because he taught me... It's kind of a biofeedback system. You take the pulses, you feel how the energy is flowing put in some needles, and then retake it to see if anything happened. So I never have to guess whether an acupuncture point or point selection did something, because it either did, and I can feel it in the pulses, or it didn't. Plus, you can feel the patient's whole history in the pulse. You can feel if they had digestive issues as a child, or how old their depression is, or if they started life out in fear, so it's you can amaze patients by talking to them about their pulses.
0: Where are you feeling these pulses?
1: On the wrists, on the wrists. So yes, okay. left left and right both wrists.
0: And is that the only place where you check pulses?
1: That's where I check them. I mean, I've had people before who maybe had um a device near their wrist and so I needed to move up the arm or Uh, They don't have a left forearm. Mm -hmm. So then I look somewhere else, but most of the time on the two wrists.
0: And how subjective is pulse diagnosis?
1: The method that I use and teach is not very subjective because it's about the flow of energy through the organ systems. It's about the flow movement that you feel under your fingers. So it's not about whether... It's slippery, and you don't think it's slippery. You think it's wiry, and I say it's slippery. It's about is there a movement there or not, and is it going in the right direction? So pretty much anyone can learn that way of doing the pulses.
0: So you're feeling for different qualities of the pulse?
1: It's more flow.
0: More just flow. Yeah, it's
1: more is the... Kidney position, flowing into the spleen position, flowing into the lung position, rather than the quality, because good health is the Taiji symbol. Good health is yang and yin Mm -hmm. flowing into each other, supporting each other for infinity. And that's what we're looking for in the pulses.
0: How many different positions are there?
1: Well, there are three finger positions, but a lot of depths. So you start out really deep and then let the pressure off your fingers, much like a blood pressure cuff. So you start out tight or deep and then let it go little by little by little. So a lot of layers, three fingers, but many layers.
0: So someone interested in perhaps studying acupuncture and Chinese medicine, they might uh, find this to be very enticing to learn how to diagnose people or to read people through their pulse. When would they expect to be able to acquire the skills necessary to do this? Is this something that students can do, or does it have to come through years and years of practice?
1: Well, I would love for students to do it because I don't think they should get out of school and not know how to do a diagnosis. Unfortunately, a lot of schools teach to the test. They want you to pass the national board. So, people can say, oh, 98% of students at CSTCM pass the boards. Well, there aren't any pulse diagnosis questions on them. If there's a pulse diagnosis question, it's embedded with other symptoms. So it's really not that relevant. So I would love it if schools would just decide, look, you need to know how to make a diagnosis b- before you get out of school. That's the problem with other, other professionals doing acupuncture with a weekend course or a hundred hours is they know how to kind of put a needle in by the number. Oh, the person has a migraine. I'll put this and this in, but they don't know if it's working. They don't know the diagnosis. So.
0: And who in the States can do that?
1: What, what in type the States, of practitioners? chiropractors can get a hundred hours of training. Medical doctors can get 300 hours of training. And unfortunately there's, something called dry needling that people usually learn in a weekend, physical therapists.
0: Mm, Which is painful, isn't it? It's very painful. (laughs) Hence the name.
1: Right. Well, and I tell my patients, I do dry needling. I I tell them dry needling is acupuncture. And I'm better at it because I took four years to learn it instead of just a weekend. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So tomorrow you're in our film studio for Pacific Rim College Online. What are you teaching for that? Is that a pulse diagnosis?
1: No, that's a points course. It's a points course about things that you forgot about what points do and things you never thought they did, especially in combination with each other.
0: Okay. So is this more for acupuncturists and students? Yes. Not so much for the general public?
1: No. No. It's for acupuncturists and students.
0: And then you're also teaching a bit on Qigong, is that mm-hmm. correct?
1: Qigong for anti-aging and Qigong for pain. So that can be for anyone, the general public. Any Anyone can do Qigong.
0: Tell us a bit about Qigong.
1: Well, Qigong means, qi means energy, gong means practice. So it's the practice of building your vitality or the practice of of building some qi and storing some qi. I like to think of qigong as a way to build yourself a little savings account of qi because we're born with a certain amount of qi and we use, we have to use it to live and sometimes if we're sick we have to use a little more and unfortunately as it gets weaker as we age and in the end when it's no longer there that's when death comes. So I always say, well, let's make a little savings account over here by doing some Qigong every day. And then if we're not feeling well, we don't have to steal from our original Qi. So I tell all my patients, it's a partnership. You are not going to come here and I'm going to stick some needles in and you're going to get all better without you doing something. So I have a Qigong MP3 that I can give them the address for and they can go there and download it. And then listen to me telling them how to move the chi in their body if they just don't want to do it themselves. And believe me, they have a million excuses not to do it.
0: But I'm sure. <laughs> Is this something that you do on a regular basis in your own personal health practice?
1: I, I do, especially with um, the closing. I feel like the putting the hands on the lower dantian gives your body a centering signal. And so if you're having some anxiety or things just seem too stressful and you've done Qigong and you put your hands in that position, it helps your body just get back into balance.
0: And where is that position, the Dantian?
1: It's below the navel, between the navel and the pubic bone. So women put their right palm first with the left palm on top and men put the left palm first with the right palm on top. And when you do that, it signals your body that I just did a little qigong maneuver. I have made some qi, I've stored some qi, and now I'm going to store it where my Mun fire is.
0: I love qigong. I do it on a regular basis, but I'm excited to watch what what you're working on tomorrow.
1: Well, we're going to be doing just a few little motions for pain so people can treat their own pain at home, and then anti-aging because... Anti-aging is a big thing. Everybody, everybody would like a natural way to keep looking younger and Chinese medicine is it. Chinese medicine is the true anti-aging medicine. If you start early and prevent disease, so your chi doesn't get worn out, you are definitely going to age more gracefully.
0: Tell us a bit more about that because this is one of your areas of expertise. So what do you do with acupuncture for anti-aging?
1: Well, I do something called Maid Zen, which means beautiful person, cosmetic acupuncture. And the, the important thing about Maid Zen cosmetic acupuncture is we treat the internal causes of aging first because we do the pulse diagnosis, put in the body points, then needle the area of concern. So it's either the face or the neck, usually some abdominal work if people want to tone their abdomen. But, um, and we use acupuncture points because anybody can stick some needles in a line and call it acupuncture because they're using an acupuncture needle. But the idea of acupuncture is using acupuncture points, using acupuncture channels. So Maid Zen is about using that network of energy to reinvigorate the dermis and make it more firm, bring more collagen and elastin there, and then maintain that over time.
0: And does it work? It does work. How- I
1: put it this way. I tell my May Zen students when I teach the class, and they ask, does it work? I say, first of all, you're giving a person a treatment two times a week for five weeks. You would have to be the worst acupuncturist in the history of the universe to treat someone two times a week, and they don't get any results. That's a dream patient. And then we know how deep we need to needle to get into the dermis. So we put the needle in the dermis. It thinks it's been traumatized. So how deep is that? About three to four millimeters. Okay. So when the skin and the dermis think it's injured, it sends fibroblast of collagen and elastin there. So the needles make little micro traumas. The dermis says, uh-oh, I'm damaged, I need to send collagen and elastin there, and it makes it more firm. A scar is an overgrowth of collagen and elastin. So instead of creating a big piece of damage where we're going to have a scar, we're just making little microtraumas.
0: Can you treat scars?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I treat scars with neural therapy, but acupuncturists can treat scars too.
0: And do you get good results on treating scars, and does it depend on... How big and how old they are?
1: It does. I get good results. I just did someone's uh, double C-section scar mm. that really bothered her. She felt like it was lumpy. She felt like fat hung over it. Um, and I did neural therapy on that, and she loves it. She says now...
0: What is neural therapy?
1: It's, uh, it's injections of procaine and dextrose. Okay. So the procaine is for helping it not be so painful. And it turns into bi- vitamin B in the body anyway, so it's good. And then dextrose breaks up scar tissue. Okay. So, uh, in you know, you can do it with acupuncture needles. I mean, you can needle into the scar and we just want to loosen up the scar tissue. But what the dextrose and procaine help do is reinvigorate those nerve cells that have gotten a little mixed up because that's what surgery does. It mm-hmm. makes the nerve cells kind of regenerate and into a different activity. And that's why people start to have symptoms around that scar. So um, every scar should get some treatment. Now, if it's a big scar, like I'm dealing with someone who had a huge ankle injury, I'm doing her scar a section at a time because it's a little achy for a few days. But C-section scars and hysterectomy scars, because the belly is tender, you know, has got that nice tender skin, those are easy to fix.
0: Hmm. Are there any side effects to this, to any of your cosmetic treatment or scar treatment?
1: No. I mean, you know, somebody I suppose could be sensitive to procaine because it's a painkiller, but you would certainly be talking to your patient about if they had any sensitivities before you engaged in that kind of behavior.
0: And any other risks? Because it sounds like this is a panacea for beautiful skin and, and longevity.
1: It is. You might get a bruise. Okay. That's a side effect. You might get a bruise. But every single person says, oh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the bruise. And so they did you say five weeks of treatment? Five weeks, two times a week for five weeks because the dermis takes four weeks to become more permanent.
0: And at the end of that, are you seeing visual results in yes. all of your patients, most of your patients?
1: I would say all of them, but it depends on what their expectations are. Some of them feel like they got really dramatic results and some might feel like, oh, I don't know. I I see some results, but they weren't really what I wanted. But I've never had anybody just say, oh, well, I didn't get any results. Mm-hmm. For one thing, they feel great. Mm-hmm. When you get acupuncture twice a week, you feel great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Your digestion gets better. That makes your skin look better. You're sleeping better. So yeah, it does get results. The beauty of it is we're not putting any any sort of toxin or filler in your body. We are allowing your own body to regenerate itself. Mm -hmm. And that's, we just show people that that can happen. Right. Because there are dangers to having fillers put in and Botox
0: Mm -hmm. and certainly surgery. And if someone at the end of five weeks wants to continue on, can they continue on for another round?
1: Yes, they can. They can. What I tell people is, let's try like they say, Oh, I want more results. Yes, I see results, but I want more results. I'll say to them, Well, let's do two to four extra treatments and mm-hmm. see what happens. And then the the practitioner is gonna be able to see, look, this is we're this is it. This is we're done. This is as many
0: results as we're gonna get.
1: And then come back in once a month for maintenance.
0: And then in a year or two, would they be able to do another series again? Yeah, two to five years. Two to five years, okay.
1: They'll start to notice. They'll start to notice, uh, you know, I'm in every month for my maintenance, and I kind of feel like, oh, am I going back for maintenance already? And then maybe two years down the road, they say, oh, I'm waiting to come in every month. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, well, then you're starting to see that you need to start over again. Mm -hmm. Because – The clock is ticking. Gravity is working. Yes, it is. The clock is ticking.
0: (laughs) And you've written books on cosmetic acupuncture? Yes. And pulse diagnosis? Yes. Can you tell us a bit about those?
1: So I wrote a book, I co-authored a a book called You Don't Need Botox. That was about cosmetic acupuncture. That's out of print now. (laughs) Another book was called Vanity Calamity. And then I retitled that and rewrote that to just... Call it Cosmetic Acupuncture Works because that's just mm. a very simple title. There it is, Cosmetic Acupuncture Works.
0: Okay. And then on pulse diagnosis, you also?
1: Yes, my pulse book is called Pulse Diagnosis Beyond Slippery and Wiry okay. because my school was a slippery and wiry school. Everybody in clinic had a slippery and wiry pulse. And so now it's I'm teaching practitioners there's so much more than beyond slippery and wiry. You don't ever
0: have to even feel slippery and wiry again. And you travel the world teaching. Is that correct? Yes. How often do you do you teach? Uh,
1: well, i I do probably almost one some I probably do twelve seminars a year at least. Although now I'm doing pulse diagnosis internships, so that that's a little. Those are small groups, five to seven practitioners that I travel for. So now I do more seminars than the twelve. And then for the last uh, number of years, I've taught a big conference overseas every year in Turkey, teach all their medical doctors everything they want to know about Chinese medicine.
0: And is Chinese medicine common in Turkey?
1: Yes, it's getting more common. The. In a lot of European countries, you go to government medical school, and then you're expected to work for the government in a government hospital. But now more doctors are feeling like, you know, I'm going to go off on my own. And a lot of them go off uh, into Chinese medicine.
0: What cultures, if any, have you been to to teach where you're surprised that they have an interest in Chinese medicine?
1: Well, to be honest, the first time when they told me they wanted me to come to Istanbul, Mm -hmm. I hate to admit it, but I was shocked because I'm like, really? They're interested in, they wanted me to teach cosmetic acupuncture. They're interested in cosmetic acupuncture in Turkey. And of course they said to me, women all over the world are interested in it. It's not just an American thing. So yes, they, you know, I've been going there for 10 or 11 years and cosmetic acupuncture is still a big topic for
0: them. Hmm. How did you get into cosmetic acupuncture? What sparked your interest in that?
1: I was... I already had that career as a research scientist, and I was about 40, and it just came in a class or something that, oh, Chinese medicine can help you look younger, or Chinese medicine is a preventive medicine. You can maintain your youthful appearance. And so I said, oh, I'm going to experiment with this. So one of my friends and I just... You know, I studied the Neijing so I could make see what needling techniques were the strongest and uh, just took a few years to figure out protocols, where to put the needles, in what point, what form, you know, one needle, two needle, three needle, and worked on that while I was in school and then started teaching it after I got out.
0: And how long have you been teaching Meizen? Cosmetic Probably, uh, about 15 years. And this is your protocol?
1: It's a, It was developed by uh, Denise Ellinger and I when we were in school. And then Denise doesn't teach anymore. So I said, well,
0: I'm going to roll with it Good because I like to teach. Tell me who or what has had a significant impact on your life's mission?
1: Well, Jim Ramholz, my pulse diagnosis mentor, he... Made me who I am in Chinese medicine. Okay. Um, Before that, uh, probably all those nuns that taught me in grade school, because...
0: You had nuns (laughs) teaching you? Yes, I did,
1: because I went to Catholic grade school. And it was just very important to be a good person. Mm -hmm. So I I, I hope that I've carried that through my whole life.
0: On that similar topic, what piece of art or culture could be a book or a movie or painting, poetry, has been influential in your life, if any?
1: I want to say the book A Tale of Two Cities just because I love the first line. I feel like every day is the best of times and the worst of times, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so if, every, if that's every day, then... You know, that that book comes to my mind all the time. Right.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, there's no right or wrong answer. So other than your pulse diagnosis teacher, Jim, is that? Jim Ramholtz. Jim. Who else has had a significant impact on your life?
1: Well, probably my children, uh, children and grandchildren, because watching younger people grow up and especially grandchildren, just by the time you have grandchildren, you can just watch them love life. You're not their parent. You're not trying to support them and helping them in school. And so it's just been really delightful to just be free with the little grandkids. And I'm living my second childhood by doing all of the fun things that uh maybe I didn't do so much with my children. So I do love I do love being a mom and a grandma.
0: And you just went on a mountain mountain biking adventure in Moab correct? I did. With your eleven year old grandson. I did.
1: And I told him I'm lucky to be alive <laughs> <laughs> after that. <laughs> he dragged me through it and he kept saying, You did great, grandma, you did great grandma. <laughs> Because <laughs> I would walk a lot of it, and I'd say, well, Jonathan, that's because I walked 98% of it. And he's like, you did not, you did not. You you only walked 50% of it. That's
0: <laughs> so, well, great that you're able to do that with him you and young. survive. Yes, yeah. survive. True. I love silver lining moments. I'm always trying to take the seemingly bad events and and turn them inside out and find the good within. Have you had any silver lining moments in your life that have been... Uh, significant for you?
1: Well, uh, my younger daughter seemed to be having a problem getting pregnant. She had real irregular periods. And so she came to me after a year of trying and said, Mom, will you help me get pregnant? And so, of course, I said, Yes. Of mm-hmm. course, I'll help you get pregnant with using uh, Chinese medicine. And I have this abdominal protocol for that. And I did it on her and she got pregnant within a month. So we were all happy, everything great. And then probably at about 20 weeks, maybe her pregnancy started to go bad the blood pressure started to go up. I was making her homemade food so she didn't need any salt. It started to get really, really scary. Mm. And then she went from preeclampsia to help and her liver started failing. So they had to take the baby out at 27 weeks. Wow! You know, he's, uh, he's weighing a pound, 15 ounces. Wow! She almost died. They wouldn't even let us in the room with her. And I felt like, and now they're both great. Everybody's healthy and Mm. wonderful. And so that's a super big blessing. Mm -hmm. So I felt like a bunch of silver linings. Like, first of all, it taught me that as a Chinese medicine practitioner, I am not God. And some women are going to have high risk pregnancies or maybe not be able to have any babies. So it allows me to talk to women in a very much more matter of fact way. Another silver lining was I feel like he was able to stay in there for 27 weeks because of Chinese medicine. Hmm. I feel like some of the techniques I was using and giving my daughter acupuncture helped at least keep the pregnancy to 27 weeks. And right before he was born, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed in my practice, like I needed to switch gears. And when he was born, my daughter asked me if I would do his morning cares. So, because they lived. In another city, and I realized, you know what? I'm not going to see patients till like eleven in the morning Mm -hmm. because I'm going to go over to the hospital every morning and do the baby's morning cares. And so it just changed a whole several things in
0: one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. Puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Right, it does. It does. And now you are doing some work in, I believe you called it relinquishment wounds. Yes. prior to the show we talked about this yeah and that is related to premature births is it Am I it correct? is
1: it's uh it's any child that is taken away from their mother at birth so unfortunately preemies are taken away because mm-hmm. they need to be put in an incubator and then children who are adopted okay. so it's it that link of being nurtured by your mother right after the minute you're born is taken away. Yes. And in Chinese medicine, it is very, very clearly felt in our earth sector of the pulses, in the spleen stomach part. Okay. <clears throat> it can clearly be seen as a sunken pulse there. You know the person had childhood nurturing issues, lack of nurturing. And the beauty of Chinese medicine is because we can manage the energy from one organ system to another we can fill that up we can help the person get that nurturing feeling back again so yeah i would i'm going to uh, i want to talk to more practitioners about feeling that because there are so many people out there that feel lost they don't feel loved their fear of abandonment is running their life and we can help them work through that
0: so is this uh, an amalgamation of of both of your your professions your research scientist side and and your acupuncture side is this something you're researching
1: well yeah there is some research on the relinquishment Mm -hmm. wound we they even modern medicine knows that uh, certain emotional qualities happen in people who have been they call it relinquished at birth Relinquished is a hard word, but it is what happens. The mother has to give the baby to somebody else.
0: And you're able to help them with acupuncture?
1: Yes. Yep, absolutely. Acupuncture is a very powerful emotional tool. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think about it for pain, Mm -hmm. but it's very, very strong. It can very strongly treat emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And just the practitioner saying to the person... Oh, no wonder you have that fear of abandonment because you were handed off to someone away from your mother. Just that makes the person say, Oh, oh my goodness, you're right about that. Can we do something about that? And I say, Absolutely. So yeah, it's
0: very rewarding. Yeah, it sounds like it. It Sounds also like you're very busy.
1: (laughs) I am pretty busy.
0: being a grandmother and a a busy practitioner and you travel the world teaching and speaking. If you knew that tomorrow was your last day in this life, who would you choose to spend it with and what would you do?
1: Well, I would totally spend it with my family. Okay. And I think uh, my mother died. Well, my mentor, my beloved mentor, Jim, died suddenly. Mm -hmm. And so did my mother. And those two taught me the lesson that everybody I love needs to know I love them always. And so I would totally spend it with my family and just make sure everybody knew that I love them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We wouldn't even have to do anything except sit around having me tell them, tell them I love them.
0: <laughs> Doesn't matter where you are as long as you're with them. Right, right.
1: Well, I Good had told, um, my, uh, my husband has this idea of where he wants his ashes spread and. So I had said, okay, in front of the oldest grandchild, I said, okay, I guess you guys can take my ashes and spread them on the Platte River, the South Platte, because it's so pretty and we've had so many good times there. And I said, just go on a bridge and, you know, dump them over there, the grandkids and the great-grandkids. And he said, but grandma, you really wouldn't be there. I said, what do you mean I wouldn't be there? He said, the, the, you know, you'd go down the river. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, it's the idea. It's the idea because he's so literal, That's and great. i I do believe it's important to have a personal life. No matter how busy you are, I think
0: you have to have a personal. Life.
1: I think some business owners and practitioners, you know, they don't give themselves enough. Absolutely. Yeah, so I I just really think it's important to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to feed yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there any other sort of practices that you employ to do that?
1: I play soccer. Okay. So that of course removes my liver cheese stagnation Mm -hmm. and I get a little competitive action going on. So, uh, yes, that, that's definitely helps me keep Mm -hmm. my balance.
0: And has that been a lesson, the self-care that you have learned over time, or has that always been something that you've cultivated?
1: No, I learned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I, As I said, I think it was 11 years ago when my, that first grandson was born and I had to take time off and Mm -hmm. trust that I wasn't going to go out of business. I had to trust that if I wasn't starting to see people at eight in the morning, I wouldn't go out of business. And of course that didn't happen at all.
0: Right. Are there any other attributes that you have today that you wish you had cultivated sooner?
1: I think I wish I had cultivated a calm, an ability to accept things Mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, I used to be a pretty big worrier, but then when I learned that worry makes your digestive chi go backward, I was able to get that a little calmer.
0: What does that mean, digestive chi go backwards?
1: It means that instead of the flow of energy going toward lungs and large intestine in the pulses which is your immune system Mm -hmm. it goes back and negatively affects the kidneys negatively affects your core so we need to keep our digestive chi flowing in the right direction because that's partly how we make our energy so to be worrying and let it go back and forth back and forth instead of flowing in the right direction is a negative a really negative movement so a lot of people you can just say to them Look, that worry is making your digestive chi not work as well as it could. So, what can we do about that? Or, what is it you're worrying about? Something in your control or out of your control? And do a little psychotherapy with them about their worry. <laughs> but yes, I've been able to get that way more under control. And it would have been nice if I could have done that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I, you know, cognitive dissonance is a powerful tool. You tell someone that causes that. And lots of times people can just take that to heart and say, hmm, I guess I don't need to do that anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. So a lot of people are probably going to be interested in figuring out where they can tap into this fountain of youth that you have seemed to uh, tapped into and able to offer through your cosmetic acupuncture. So tell our listeners where they can find more about you.
1: Well, my private practice site is acupuncturewoman.com and my teaching site is lucasteachings.com. So, if they want to find out about seminars, it's lucasteachings.com. If they want, just you know, come see me in my private practice, or students want to spend some time there, that's acupuncturewoman.com. And then I have a skincare line called mazenskincare.com. Oh,
0: just another little something. Yeah, just another
1: little something.
0: With well, free time. Yes. Sorry, what's that? Where is that again?
1: It's mazenskincare.com okay. because it's. Uh, Can you spell that? M-E-I-Z-E-N, okay. okay. skincare.com. It's uh, a natural line that has Chinese herbs and essential oils in it. So it feels good. The um, uh, It feels like ohm someone told us. so
0: feels like ohm. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. and I guess we should let our listeners know too that you they'll be able to see some of your Qigong teachings on pacific room college online yes so that will be uh, there sometime in probably late 2018 so that'd be great to be able to see that and is there anything else you want to mention before we go
1: i don't think so i appreciate the opportunity
0: yeah it's been great having you here thanks so much for coming oh you're welcome all right thank you I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Dr. Martha Lucas. If you are inspired to study acupuncture and Chinese medicine as a career, check out Pacific Rim College's programs in the School of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, one of the most recognized schools of Chinese medicine in North America. Also, explore the courses at Pacific Rim College online. Dr. Lucas has two great courses that are certainly worth checking out. Qigong for Pain and Anti-Aging, and the acupuncture course unique point functions and combinations. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. And if you like this podcast, please give it a positive rating on your podcast app and share it with your friends. Until next time, see if acupuncture will help you tap into your fountain of youth.